Welcome to the Carrots and Cake Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Hopper, an FDN practitioner, author, mom, and IBD advocate. Tune in each week for real-life advice and strategies for becoming your happiest and healthiest self, all while thriving in the gray area. Trust me when I say, you can have your carrots and cake too. Welcome to the Carrots and Cake Podcast. This next episode is going to be a really great one because we have Dr. Greg Brannon here. He is the founder of Optimal Bio, and he is also the medical director for Optimal Bio in North Carolina, and he works as an OBGYN. And I just feel like the two of us have a ton to talk about. He loves hormones and nutrition and working with women. So I feel like you guys are really in for a treat. Um, so I'm going to let him introduce himself. He has a lot to say. Um, so welcome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Tina. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited to chat with you. I feel like we have a ton to cover today. So do you want to give us a little background about yourself, who you are, you know, how you got into this whole hormone thing? Um, and we can go from there. Yeah, great. Um, uh, OBGYN uh, since 1988. Um, loved it. I love dealing with life. I enjoyed living babies. I loved uh, women their healthcare from, you know, adolescence till 90 years of age. Um, I, I just was blown away at their capacity for pain and labor, their capacity for energy and life is a very optimal. I love the field is very, um, an, a very fun field to be in. Uh, when it was sad with miscarriages, it was, it was nice to be there with, with answers, trying to do that. Uh, myself, I have seven children, six girls and, and, and one son. My wife and I uh, love kids, love life. I've done around 14,000 babies. Um, wow. I've been fortunate to travel the world, Africa, Central America, Asia, doing mission work. Um, I just enjoy, I'm a big believer in individual liberty. I just believe that's the crux of freedom. Uh, if, a, if a person can't be free, um, they're not really alive. And that's my passion. I really believe that health freedom is, the, is, the, is an ultimate because you can't control your health and who are you listening to? You know, I mean, I think you're the best advocate. I used to say the king and queen is in the mirror. And uh, I think my job is, is an educator, not to dictate what to do, but to educate, answer questions. If I don't know a question, look it up and find answers. I don't believe in Band-Aid approaches. Um, I'm a, I was a, as a surgeon, I loved surgery, but very conservative. It's I had a very simple premise. Would I take my wife's uterus out? If it answers no, you don't do it. And because uh, there's a lot of times you could find ways to alleviate surgery um, by, by nutrition, by I'm a huge believer in nutrition and working out the, the five things to live life, I think, are sleep, eat, exercise, reduce stress, reduce stress, and then replace what your body needs. Um, that's literally and, the protocol uh, I follow. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's great. <laughs> yep. um, uh, in my OB practice, I started having uh, young women complain of symptoms like decreased libido, energy, motivation, then the perimenopausal complaints. And with all my diplomas on the wall, the treatment was antidepressants. And it made no answer to me. If you lose a hormone, why not replace a hormone? And then in my studies, I started looking at, but hormone ranges have changed dramatically in the last 50 years. So the neuroendocrinology was my passion to know what controls the production of hormones, and what are the function of hormones? And then why are we so much lower? And then how can we increase them naturally? And if you can't, how can you replace them with bioidentical, atom for atom, molecule for molecule, the same exact thing. Because if it is the same structure, your body recognizes it, knows how to utilize it, how to eliminate it without any side effects. And that's the problem is, is that we, we, we replace with band-aids or we do synthetic things we call 
progestins, progesterone. They're not, they're different. We call estrogens, estrogens, which is estradiol, which it is not. Um, women make more testosterone than they do estrogen in their 20s, and nobody knows that. So when you have a, a hormone like testosterone has over 400 functions, wouldn't you want to know what the optimal levels are? So I think we'll just, when we talk today, when you look back at the neuroendocrine pathways, that it makes sense. And I believe when you look at standard medical therapy, it either blocks a receptor or blocks an enzyme. So therefore the question should be, what is the cascade effect of that? And that's important to understand. I'll give you an example. Cholesterol, we talk about cholesterol is hurting, you know, causing atherosclerosis, which is 50 year old literature, which is incorrect. But if you stop making cholesterol, well, cholesterol becomes 40 different functions in your body and structures in your body. So therefore there are problems with that. So that's why I try to look at the whole person and um, tend to try to listen to their story because it's very, nobody knows their body more than they do, period. And if you listen correctly, you could find pathways they may be able to be augment and enjoy their life. So that's what we do at Optimal Bio. So that, that's how we got here. And I had to go through a journey myself because I had to convince myself that a bioidentical is not equivalent to a synthetic. And when I did that research, I felt in my book, I put my arrogance led to my ignorance. I believe I knew everything. I used to be a professor of this. I used to teach this. Uh, I was trained by the best people in this and I missed a boat. And um, that's our journey here. We've been doing Optimal Bio now for 11 years. And uh, I'm just blessed has become. Yeah, amazing. And so you briefly touched on this. So I would love for you to talk about the difference between synthetic hormones and the pill. And this is something I talk about a lot. I was on the pill for 15 years and I just feel like I was not fully educated on what the pill does, how it works um, and the difference between bioidentical and, you know, why somebody might want to choose bioidentical over, you know, going on the pill. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. When you look back at the, mm -hmm. the brain, there's a, in the hypothalamus, there's a thing called gonadotropin releasing hormones and they release gonadotropins are your sex hormones and sex hormone does not mean libido and sex. It does, but it does not mean what the definition came from the definition, because in the womb, uh, all babies are, 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 are potentially phenotypically the structure is female until a hormone is turned on these, these Mullerine inhibitors, which make the testosterone work. So that's why it's called sex hormones. Testosterone will dominate in the male aspect of it. And then the estrogen dominates the female. So FSH in the brain, this is after menarche, after your cycle starts. Um, and also in men, we'll go both. So FSH in women makes egg. And in men, it makes sperm. The, the egg makes estrogen. In women, LH makes progesterone. So in a cycle, a 28-day cycle, Women have no progesterone until day uh, after they ovulate. So after day 14 is when they ovulate, after LH goes up, day 21, they peak, and then they go back down if they're not pregnant. So that's the cycle. Estrogen goes up, goes down. Uh, progesterone stays flat, goes up, it goes down. Testosterone stays level. And in men, again, sperms in by FSH, LH makes testosterone. But in both men and women, estrogen and testosterone go back and forth between each other. So estrogen becomes testosterone in women and estrogen be and testosterone becomes estrogen in men because both estrogen and testosterone are necessary for the maturity of the sperm or the egg. But, F but estrogen is what goes back to the hypothalamus to turn off this process. So that's how it works. So the pill is not an estrogen. It's a synthetic uh, ethylene estradiol. It's the only estrogen used in the market, every pill. What makes every pill different in America is the progesterone. Nope, the progestin. I'm going to use very specifically if it's synthetic, it's progestin 
If it's pyoidentical, it's progesterone, different structures. And what the pill does, it, it, it tricks the body that you're pregnant. So your FSH will go low, but at the same time, it tells your body you're in menopause because then you have no, you have no natural estrogen. So therefore the functions of estrogen are now dominated by this ethylene estradiol, but are they too strong, too weak, or they metabolize differently? There's three pathways in which you eliminate estrogen. One's called two, one's called 16, one calls four. Well, 16 and four actually can increase growth and have problems with that. Two is what's actually healthy. If you do the Dutch test, we talked about how you can test your metabolites. That's why it's really important to understand that. Now, the big part of progesterone is natural progesterone sits on the receptor in the brain for about 30 days. Synthetic sit for over six months. So it doesn't turn it on, it down regulates it. And the big one in the brain is called GABA, which is a relaxing neurotransmitter. When that gets down, I find when I had women on birth control pills or I, marine IUD, about 30% were depressed. What well, makes sense? Because you're blocking GABA. And then women's natural surging is, makes a woman a woman. And it's fantastic to have those surges. So when your body takes a foreign molecule, even though it's a progestin or an ethylenestradiol or Premarin or these other, I'll go over the more detail in menopause women, is that your body has to, it's a lock and key. You have this lock and a key fits perfectly if it's bioidentical, it fits perfectly. It turns it on properly. It does the mod, the mechanism, uh, let's call it X. It does it perfectly X and then knows how to eliminate it. A Premarin or ethylene estradiol, does it make it do it? Does it make the function too much, too low? And then how it metabolize out? So therefore that's what makes it so important. When it's bioidentical, the Mayo Clinic says it is recognized as same. So me being not that smart, if I lose X, why not replace X? That's what I thought about. Well, that's how we do that. And then menopause, perimenopausal, by strict definition, menopause is one year of no cycle. But laboratory-wise, it's when your FSH, your brain, tells your ovary to make an egg. When the egg stops making estrogen, the brain says, I can make it turn on. I can make it turn on. I'm going to make higher FSH. And it gets higher and higher and higher. Well, the higher the FSH is, more symptoms, hot flashes, hot flushes, vaginal dryness, the things you can't feel coronary artery dilatation, cerebral artery dilatation, bone formation, bone loss. Those are things you'll see over time. But you met, so you measure your, your LH, anything over 23 is menopause. Well, those can happen 10 years before menopause actually happens, one year of no period. But the symptoms are there. And it, it, it should not be treated with antidepressants. I'm not saying you don't need antidepressants for some cases. But here's what I tell women. It's really interesting. The uterus is named uterus. It's named in Latin. The Da Vinci named all the body parts in Latin. But when you remove them, they're in Greek. So that's why a uterus is a hysterectomy. Mm. So where'd the word hysteria come from? They taught if you remove the woman's uterus, their hysteria would go away. And we laugh at that. But what's the, treat what's the treatment of choice today for menopause? Antidepressants. They're hysterical. No, their body's craving these levels at proper levels. Yeah, that is super interesting. And I love your analogy of the lock and key, just how, you know, the bioidentical works. Right. Um, so for, you know, somebody who is in perimenopause, menopause, how would they know it's time to look into bioidentical hormones? The number, if you're an 18 year old man, a 30 year old woman, a 95 year old woman, an 80 year old man, a, um, uh, a military guy who's in shape, a professional woman athlete. Here's what I hear. The top two reasons I see everybody tired of being tired and brain fog. Mm -hmm. So we look at optimal bio. We look at the, I consider myself an energy source. 
there are two major energy sources of your body. If you're, if we're a car, I consider we're all, we're all Ferraris, we're all Bugattis, we're all, the, we're all wonderfully made. We're amazing. These machines are amazing. But you need gasoline to run. You need oxygen. So you need gasoline in your tank and you need oxygen in the carburetor to combust the, the, the gasoline. The thyroid controls the oxygen. That's the mitochondria. And the sex hormones control the gasoline. So your symptoms, uh, if you go to our webpage, optimalbiology.com, I've written a book called The Hormone Handbook. It goes through all these symptoms, but it's just youth and everybody, it, the, the, the excuse usually it's life. You got six kids, you working three jobs. I'm not saying that's not right, but our bodies built not just to survive, but to thrive. So therefore, if you have an optimal health, then you can go, you know, climb your, you know, your, your Mount Kilimanjaro's. You could run five traps. You could do what you want, whatever your goals are. So your symptoms will drive it. And usually what happens is I went to my other doctor and they say, it's normal. I went to my other doctor and they said, you know, this is the way it's supposed to be at this age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's super helpful because, you know, I work with women one-on-one, you know, we do a lot of the natural remedies and things like that, but I do think it kind of gets to a point where they might need a little something else. So this is really great to know that there are other options out there. And I do, I agree with you, just what you said about energy levels, brain fog, things like that. Um, but anyways, but, here, but, here, but here's the, but here's the question though, Tina, mm-hmm. what is a good range? Mm-hmm. And this is what's important to understand back to our in, in menopause it's easy we know when there's no estrogen your fsh is over 23 easy and progesterone goes to zero the only progesterone you're really making is from your brain because your brain needs it for modulation but when since since estrogen turns off testosterone in both men and women what level of testosterone should be in the normal range for the estrogen to say we don't we have enough we're done that's what's changed over the last 50 years today uh, Duke University, their range is about 170 to 700. The military, this is for a man. The, mil- the man is 193 to 715. A lab core is 264 to 916. And a woman is 3 to 41. Well, 40 years ago, a man was 800 to about 1500. And a woman was 90 to about 300. Wow. So the question should not be, what's our range today? The question be, she, why are we lower? That's the answer. That is the crux of the whole thing. And since estrogen lowers testosterone, what if we got estrogen from outside of our bodies? What if we did? What would happen? Your body would go, whoa, I have enough estrogen. I'm not going to make estrogen and or testosterone. That's what happened. They're called neuroendocrine disruptors. They're a group called xenoestrogens, Roundup, atrazine, pesticides, soy, uh, BPA, BPS, uh, plasticizers, um, that's the problem. A red dye three, red dye 40, an average American eats a credit card worth of plastic a month. Oh my God. All right. So a, a paper out, I mean, I got a Dr. Travis and look at the last 50, this is in men, the last 50 years and every decade is a lower starting point. And Harvard released a paper two years ago showing in even men lowering of testosterone over age is not normal. It's the environment lowering it as well. So that's our problem. The problem is we don't have, we're not making enough. So yes, naturally do the best you can exercise, work out, eat properly. The key thing is sleep, but it's a vicious cycle. I can't sleep. My hormones are off. So you got to go. So what, but, so the question is, is how can you get your levels in optimal ranges? And that's why I don't use the range to say, you got to be at this number. I know in menopause, when you're above 90, you make bone. That's important because 50,000 women a year die of osteoporosis, uh, 40,000 year die of breast cancer. We have ribbons for that, which is important. We don't talk osteoporosis. Number four, cause of death over, over the age of 60s, falling down, getting off the toilet. 
breaking your hip, dying of pneumonia. We don't think of these things because if we lose thyroid, every doctor agrees replace thyroid. I think we should use a bioidentical one, but we replace thyroid. If we lose insulin, we know give insulin. When we lose gonads, we say, ah, sucking up part of life. And it, it, it's just frustrating because of the benefits you could be on these. Yeah, yeah, that's a super interesting um, realization because, yeah, we do replace those things, but with, you know, sex hormones. And like you said, we don't automatically do that. Um, so you touched upon this a little bit, you know, just talking about the xenoestrogens and, you know, getting estrogens elsewhere in our lives. I feel like, you know, a lot of women don't realize that they are consuming these things every day, they're putting products on their bodies. Um, what do you think are the big, everyday environmental factors that are really affecting hormones that maybe women might not realize? Uh, I would say it's our food, obviously, the Roundup, the atrazine. Atrazine is a pesticide that's actually been shown to actually make, um, there's the, a lake that have been the first studies on it in England. There's no more male frogs or male fish because atrazine got in the water supply. So the key is water, a mm -hmm. filtered water system is number one thing we got to do. Uh, because that will filter out a ton of stuff. I, I think Berkey water filter one of the best. You get the blue and the black filter. It's one of the best out there. And it's a very reasonable price. So that's very important. Be optimal. Can you get through your house system? Yes. We got to look at cost as well. Um, and, and then drink your water yourself all day from that system. Get glass bottles. Glass are inert. Uh, plastic is not. Um, BPA, yes, is bad. BPS, they replaced it with, does the same thing. And any plastic and heat will leach out these, these molecules. So when you say, and then makeup, you know, obviously I'm, you have, a, you, I have six daughters, but you know much more about makeup than I do, but you know that a lot of these are made from these, these, these hormone levels or synthetic hormones from animal sources or non-animal sources that are actually in the products. You're rubbing this on your face, a hand, hand sanitizer, one of the number one anti-sex hormone things out there. So soap and water is better than even those but we think the ease of the other things, but there's side effects to things. I don't people be scared though. My thing is this, I don't be like, oh, I can't, I gotta be in a bubble. No, this body, given sleep, given exercise, given food, vitamin D being above, above 60 is an amazing responsive machine that could do well in the environment. But we live in a hostile environment. How you look at it, we live in a hostile environment. So I just wanna get back to where we try to decrease stress in life and try to exercise and sleep properly so we can enjoy every day. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. So let's actually talk about that real quick. Um, I'm a big fan of exercise. I have done all the things as far as fitness goes. Um, how can exercise help with hormone levels? Well, it can increase free testosterone, but it can't make more testosterone. It can increase a little bit of free because again, the gonads make the testosterone. So if they start off and again, back, we're at um, 30, 25% of my patients are under the age of 30. Okay, because that generation has been bombarded in the wombs when they come out, they're starting with lower values. But exercise, strength exercises is the best thing. Your quads, squats, those kind of exercises are the best thing to increase your free testosterone. That is the best. Sleep is another one. Avoiding sugar. 20 grams of sugar can decrease your testosterone by 200 points 30 minutes after you eat. Oh, wow. Yeah, sugar is just wicked. In fact, everything we talk about, there are three ways our body, the pathophysiology of our body, it doesn't matter what disease it is. It's a vascular injury, it's immune dysfunction and an overinflammation. So everything you want to do is to decrease those three things. And the crude cause of all of that is not hyperglycemia per se, it's what hyperglycemia causes, which is hyperinsulinemia. Hyperinsulinemia, because there's insulin receptors in the brain that make the brain talk to each other. When that's messed up, 
all our six major systems that run our body are ACTH or prolactin or growth hormone or FSH and uh, TSH and LH can be all inhibited by that hyperinsulinemia in the brain. There's some great studies out of the University of South Carolina where they have human performance studies talking about how growth hormone, testosterone, and that can actually augment our overall human performance and longevity. Hmm, that is super interesting. Um, and I'm glad you touched upon some of the nutrition and the sugar and everything, because I know, you know, certain foods can definitely affect hormone levels. And this is something I talk to my clients about. Um, do you have any general recommendations for foods that can really help hormones or hurt hormones? I guess you've kind of covered that a little bit. Um, yeah, but, but just some general advice. Yeah, meat is really good for hormone basis. I don't know if you heard of Sean Baker's carnivore diet. Yeah, Sean was on our podcast. Yeah, Sean was on our con our podcast last March, and uh, protein is what we're made out of, and fats we're made out of. So it's very important that that eggs are a phenomenal food, especially the yolk. Uh, I'm a huge believer. I don't like call it intermittent fasting. I like intermittent feasting uh, because it's when you eat. Because this is what's important. Everything goes back to mitochondria, and mitochondria has a part of the inside membrane called the electron transport chain, which is a battery. Basically, it takes oxygen into energy, and that, 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 that process is enhanced in an environment that has fat and protein and it is inhibited when you have sugars. So what you want to do is to make sure that you give your body the best potential for those to work well. So everything we do here is mitochondria to make that to be healthier. That's why we produce what we do with testosterone and, and testosterone is a progesterone and ophthalm bio. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I always say that with like the, the meat and the protein and the fat, I always say to my clients, I'm like a low fat diet is a low hormone diet. Like you need these things. They're very important as far as like having healthy hormones. Well, testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, cortisol, vitamin D, DHEA are all made from what? Cholesterol. Mm-hmm. You know, your brain's 90% cholesterol, but back to the mitochondria. This is papers. Um, uh, at Harvard wrote a paper. This uh, New England journal was 20, December 29, 2019, uh, this is a lot of Jason Fung's papers, right. is that mitochondria, the body's very smart. If sugar's floating around, it will use sugar for energy, glucose. One glucose molecule makes about two ATPs. One molecule of fat makes about 40, but it's more, and there's more work to get that going. So, but here's what happens. After 12 hours of not eating, your body goes, uh-oh, I'm not eating anymore. What can I do? So it starts burning what? It burns the stored proteins and recycles bad cell structures. So it, it will eat the bad mitochondrial. It will eat the bad membranes that gets energy, but also gets rid of that debris because that debris is a, is a theory of aging. If you push it to about 14 hours of no eating, it gets more efficient at doing that. So then the cells that are there, the mitochondria that are there are more efficient at uh, oxygen consumption to energy. And it'll start now consuming and being a burn fat first. You want your body to be adaptable to use sugar when it needs to in flight and flight or fight information. But overall, the best thing to do is a high fat more, uh, energy source for more energy uh, ATPs. The brain actually does better on ketones than it does on sugar. In fact, fat and protein s- satisfy our brain receptors. Sugar increases the morphine receptor part of your brain. So you're never satisfied. That's the problem. And it came from the food pyramid. You can look back from 1977 when that pushed through three meals a day, three snacks, 13 grains a day. That's what put us in this metabolic syndrome, this whole too tired stuff. It all came from that. Again, low fat destroys us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I've seen it, you know, working with one-on-one -on -one clients and whatnot. Um, so question for you about your book. So the hormone handbook. So what inspired you to write this? And can you tell us a little bit more about it? I am uh, not a very good writer, but I love to talk and teach. So what I did was I gave, I gave seminars around the state. And I've done that for years. And I video one of my seminars and then I just typed it up and wrote a book on this. Oh, so nice. want, yeah. So I wanted to go through and make it every patient that comes to me, we listen to their story and then I draw them the hypothalamus. I, draw, I have a big whiteboard in my office and I draw the hypothalamus, the pituitary and arrows to all the hormones. Everything we talked about, I draw it on a picture. picture. So I'm a visual person. So you can actually visualize how all this works. Then it makes sense. If I have no gas, Greg, I can't run. Exactly. So I wanted to put it in a simplistic terms. Not that we're stupid. That's not it. But simplistic. I think it's important to have the talk at the third, fourth, fifth grade level. But at the same time in the book, I got 70 papers at the PhD level to back up what you say. Because it's important that I believe we should trust nobody, including what I'm talking about. Search it out yourself, because that goes back to the idea of, of, of medical liberty and freedom is you you are your biggest advocate. So I, I consider myself, like I said, an educator here. So I wanted to educate people, inspire them to start searching. I like them going to Google and to Bing and to and go look. And, and then we could I tell them bring articles. We could talk about their story. And that's what I try to do. So that's why it's a hormonal handbook talks about. Um, sex hormones, how they're formed, what their functions are, how they're metabolized. Um, and then I talk about vitamin D, how thyroid disease. I also go through the fallacies of prostate cancer for men and breast cancer in women, because those are not increased by bioidentical hormones. Mm -hmm. And I, I go over that, I go over that, the WHA study in 2002 and go over the details of that paper in my book to explain that. Hmm. Super interesting. I'll definitely have to check that out. I love all the hormone books. Mm -hmm. um, so for somebody who is totally new to this, to bioidentical hormones, how would they get started or what does that process look like? Again, we're usually searched for people mm -hmm. start at, you know, they're going, they're tired, they're brain fog. That's that I can't stress how important those are the top two people I have. Um, um, you know, green berets and rangers who look like Hercules at 20 years of age who come back with the same kind. I just told you, and you look at their body and this is the biggest thing you got to learn. You cannot judge the book by its cover. The symptoms will dictate it. I get these men that look like they should be high T and they're under 150. They're under hundred. And you're like, so that's why symptoms driven. So the symptoms are gonna allow them to go look. And I hope we're out there in social media enough. We're on Instagram, Facebook. You know, we have a website. We have our podcast is again. So they search for that. So their, their, their symptoms will drive them to search and hope they find us. And then they call our office. We answer as many questions as possible on the phone. But our biggest thing, we actually sent out a PDF version of our book for free. Go read it. I want educate. It is on Amazon. We try to give it out. To me, it's more of a, a tool for them to look at. So we send to everybody and they can read that book and they hope that drives more questions to them. And they come and talk to us one-on-one. -on -one. I've been doing Zoom conferences for about, we have a patient across the country come to us. So we've known about seven, eight years. And then um, we get all their labs after we first talk and then we get their labs together. And then we talk again. I have one consult fee forever. It's forever because hmm. I don't charge until you decide what you want to do. You may need one visit. You may need 10. I said, 10. it took me 18 months to convince myself. So I went through that journey. And then we have your labs and I review what a standard is supposed to be versus what, what, what optimal is supposed to be versus what standard is. And that's our process. And then once we get your labs, my algorithm is based upon uh, your size, your levels, where you're at, where your symptoms are, your age. And I get an individualized dose for everybody. The pellet is actually a small grain of rice. And then it goes under the, uh, over the buttocks area on the outside lateral part of the hip buttocks. It takes about 
30 seconds to place and then it sits there in the fat and dissolves exactly where the testicles are overworked into the bloodstream and sends the hormone onto the body and the body goes, oh, I'm back to where I'm supposed to be. And the, the target cells grab it and does its functions. Hmm. Okay. And is there any sort of like trial and error with this? Or do you guys have like a pretty good system for figuring this out as far as like how much somebody might need? Yeah, that's very interesting that you think about pellets. I've never heard of them. They've been used mm-hmm. since 1935. Mm-hmm. Okay. Testosterone was isolated in human beings the first time in 1931. The very first paper ever published was in 1935 on women at hysterectomies. That's the first paper. The second paper was done in 1937 on men. It's not new by no means been used for 85 years. So there's a ton of papers out there on how it does it. The algorithm we have actually has been fine-tuned over the last 40 years. That So we're within 95% of the dosage they need the first time. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And again, awesome. here, I know we're not on visual, but here's how the shots go up and down, okay? The so-called roid rage is not when it's peaking, it's when it's dropping, okay? Mm-hmm. Creams are, a, are like a wave. The pellet is a slow onset and a steady state and then drops off at the end. It mimics the testicle ovary better than anything else because it basically reacts the same way in the body. Mm, interesting. And then how is that placed? Is that placed by a professional or can you do it as an individual, the pellet? Oh, no, no, no. It's placed by, uh, yeah, myself, my PA, my nurse mm. practitioner. I'm, again, I'm also a pelvic surgeon. So there's a technique I have that I, we found out to be good. It's just, I, I use, you use sterile technique, iodine, mm. alcohol, you numb it with lidocaine, uh, and then I make a small two millimeter incision. A trocar is a straw, and you put the straw underneath the skin, above the muscle, the fat. You put the pellets in, you pull it out, and put a piece of tape over it, and that's it. Hmm. And then how long does that last? Women three to five months, and men oh. four to six. Well, I mean, last. Mm-hmm. It lasts to a point where you still don't have symptoms. The goal is to get place again before you start feeling it. But you, we get that rhythm within the first year. But three to five months for women, four to six for men. Hmm. Interesting. This is all brand new to me. <laughs> It's, it's, it's so pretty cool. Like, like, like my wife started in her early forties. Oh, okay. So she did not need estrogen yet. But as I saw the FSH creeping up, we started adding estrogen to her and progesterone to her. Mm-hmm. So when she's now, she's now been on 11, 12, so she's her late, late fifties. She has no idea what hot flash is. She has mm-hmm. no idea what any menopausal symptoms are because she never had low hormones. It just transitioned right in. And then the benefits are Less free radicals, less aging, uh, stronger muscles, stronger bones. She's very petite, my wife, about five foot, 100 pounds. And her bones are stronger than a 25-year-old because she's making in menopause, you lose 5% of bone mass. Mm -hmm. In her age, she gains 8.3% of bone mass per year based on pellets. Mm -hmm. So again, it's just what your body would do if it did not stop producing those levels. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's almost like you want to start this, you know, sooner than later if, you know, if you're having well, the, 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 answer, the answer is in your early 40s, yes. What blew mm-hmm. my mind away, and this is what got me started, was having young women with these complaints in their 20s. Mm-hmm. The sad part is, yes, they'll be on her for a long time. The benefit is they won't have any of these complaints anymore, and they won't be on the Zoloft, the Prozacs of the world, the belly fat, the decreased libido. So the answer is, yeah, when, if symptoms don't occur, don't worry about it. If symptoms start occurring, Get a thorough checkout, check your thyroid and your sex hormones in detail and see what optimal levels are at. The great part about this is who's the, who's the barometer? Who's the, who's the one that says this works? Is the patient. Mm-hmm. In one month, they will decide. We have about a 98%, 99% retention rate. So it's not, you're not staying on it because you want me to put something in your body every four months. It's because it's working and you see the data. 
And that's why for me, it's the interviews, the most important parts. We can answer the questions on cardiovascular disease, breast cancer, prostate cancer. So put the, all that information involved, true informed consent. And then the proofs in the pudding, how you feel. Yeah, we hear, we, we ha- I got my life back. I'm, I'm back to doing this. Um, I'm, I'm intimate again with my, my husband. I'm again with my wife. I'm, it's, I'm back. I, I used to play uh, hockey. I'm back to playing hockey. I used to do triathlons. I'm doing tri- those kind of things over and over. That's, our, that's what we hear in our stories. This is not a magic pill, okay, mm-hmm. that does everything. We stress more time on sleep hygiene, on exercise, and nutrition. That goes all together because if you, if you think you're going to get a pill and lose weight and be this, be that, it's going to make you feel better. There's no doubt about that but you're not going to get the true benefit unless you, and I hate to, I hate the word diet or it's lifestyle. What's important to you. And that's why it's important to understand the lifestyle is not hard. If we understand what it is to do, because it's not hard. You may not want to be a triathlete. You may not want to do CrossFit, but go walk 20 minutes a day. You know, you, you may not want to do intermittent fasting, but eat fat and eat protein and eat some nice, you know, good vegetables and do your stuff. We don't have to make it all into the ultimate, but the cool part is success is when you tell me I feel better. You know, that's success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the foundations are so important. And that's what I go back to again and again with my clients. And obviously there's a lot of benefits here. Um, are there any side effects or risks or anything like that, that yes, let's people should be aware that. of? Yeah. The key thing is when you look at risks, I'm looking at major risks, heart, brain, you know, those kind of things. And the answer is there's not there. You know, women may get extra hair on their hair, on their face and the acne, maybe has to do with it. It has to do with their genetics and their one enzyme called five reductase. Hair can thin. Some people, the hair gets thicker. It's called the paradox response of testosterone. But the big one is this, is cancer. And I want to spend a couple of times on cancer. Yeah. Because we'll go men first. We hear that prostate cancer, prostate cancer grows with testosterone therapy. Dr. Morgan Taller from Harvard wrote a great book called Testosterone for Life. I, rec- I recommend every man read that book. But he goes over the world famous paper that said hormone, that testosterone therapy causes prostate cancer to grow. It was written in 1941 by Huggins and Hodges, University of Chicago. In fact, Huggins won the Nobel Prize in 63. We're talking great scientists. But in this paper, how many men were in the study? One, one man was in the study. Everybody quotes that paper and he was already castrated. So he had no testosterone. So we know the prostate will get saturated at 90. So anything over 90, it can't make it grow. And Morgenthaler goes through all those studies. In fact, in his book, he showed a paper, only had 13 men, but there are 13 men that he biopsied with prostate cancer. He gave them pellets. He biopsied them two and a half years later. 56% had no prostate cancer, 40% had no change. Then he has a paper with a couple thousand patients in it, showed men with prostate cancer on pellets versus those off. Those on lived longer because they died less of heart attack, stroke, and dementia than those off because they died sooner of those diseases because that's what kills us mostly. So therefore, it's important to look at the data on this. Um, breast cancer, from 1935 to 2002, virtually every paper showed nothing that the hormones caused breast cancer to grow. The paper in 2002, the world famous WHI study said it did. But it's very interesting. They had two arms, Premarin by itself and Premarin Provera by itself. Premarin is pregnant female horse urine. The Premarin by itself decreased, had no increase in breast cancer. The premarin with Provera increased at 24%. The news came out, hormones cause breast cancer. They didn't use hormones. They used premarin and Provera. So Fiorinero did a study in France with 134,000 women. He gave them estrogen and progesterone, estrogen and Provera. The estrogen and, pro- and progesterone and de- decreased breast cancer 10%. 
the Provera arm increased at 69%. It's the Provera being the, not the, pro, the progestin caused the problem, not the natural progesterone. So that's why it's important to look at this data. And um, breast cancer, and then what estrogen? There's E1, E2, E3, which way mechanisms? So that's where you look at the data. It's very important to see that when you have the proper values, breast cancer just in America is one in seven. In Japan, it's one in 20, but they have higher iodine rates. So I put all my patients in iodine for glandular tissue protection. Yep, yep, yep. We use iodine over here too. <laughs> so you have um, four locations in North Carolina and then one in Charlottesville, Virginia. So, yep. you know, if you're in the area, obviously look up Optimal Bio. Um, but for somebody who is looking to start bioidentical hormones, so like, what is your advice for finding a good practitioner? Check the reviews, okay? Because mm -hmm. reviews, as you know, are not, you can't buy them, you can't make them. They have to be pure organic. Uh, I would do that. Um, I think I'd call offices and see how you feel when you answer, they answer the phone, how mm -hmm. they treat you. Um, we're, we, again, we have patients across the country that come to us. Um, so I, so we could always do a zoom conference, get our labs, do our consult here, and then go look for, I hope the book will give you enough information in our talk to go find somebody that you're looking for, uh, that, you know, the answers you're going to have. Like good question. How do you dose? What's your algorithm? Mm -hmm. You know, what's your success rate? What's your retention rate? Uh, what's your complication rate? Cause the big complication you asked is a pellet coming out. Mm -hmm. So I want no deadlifts or squats for a few days. Men it's about one and a half percent on our office. The national average is 7%. But we're about one and a half percent. A woman's about one in a thousand. And if that pops out, it does stink. It closes over a couple of days, but that's the worst. So you just watch working out. So I think the big thing is to be educated enough before you call and know what you're looking for. And I hope that's what we have to do here. I think the book, again, Dr. Morgenthaler's book is fantastic. There's a book called Estrogen Matters. It's fantastic. There's a lot of good data out there. I hope Hormone Handbook's a good book um, to help give you information and ask that question. How many, how many patients have you seen in your career? That's another one. I've done over 25,000. So I think there's some benefit to numbers as well. Yeah, that's great advice. And I mean, this podcast or this episode alone has been super helpful. I feel like I learned so much from you, um, but you know, newbie to all of this. Um, but anyways, it has been great chatting with you. Um, so much information. You are a wealth of knowledge. Um, so where can people find you? I know you're on social media. You have a podcast. Yeah. Optimalbio.com has everything on there. We have, we're also on, on iTunes for our podcasts and we have great guests like you on as well. We just like to, you know, talk people about, you know, again, educate people. Uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, um, I think even TikTok, everything out there. We just understand that not knowledge is it, it, knowledge is truly important. One of my favorite quotes is James Madison. He said, "Knowledge will forever govern ignorance." And for those that ought to be their own uh, generals, they must understand the power that knowledge gives. And I don't want people to be afraid that we're in white coats that we know more. No, no. So be educated in the field. Terminology stops people. So stop reading books. Go on websites. Go to your you know, podcast like yourself. Um, and, and educate yourself. Um, but my, my I, I'm very optimistic in the future because I do believe that optim that medical freedom is going to be what people don't want. They're asked for alternative messages. Uh, don't get me wrong. I'm not anti-med doctor in America. I'm hit by a car. I hope to God I'm in America. You know, I need a transplant. I hope I'm in America. But overall nutrition, we're behind the times on that because I think we let regulators dictate what's healthy. And I don't, I don't, that could be some money involvement there, power involvement there. I think it's important for us to do our own research on that. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. And um, I mean, my, my listeners and followers know my journey. <laughs> it's been, it's 
been it's been a road as far as dealing with chronic health issues, but I 100% agree with you. Um, but anyways, thank you so much for being here. Um, I will include all your links and podcast and Instagram and all that good stuff in the show notes so people can find you. Um, but just want to thank you again for taking the time to chat today. Christine, I can't thank you for your, basically, your inviting me to your home. I really appreciate it.